KKYA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to updates on the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book ride podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, along with Eric Smith and his little baby. And today we're recording on Thursday, June 7, 2018. <laughs> we're laughing because uh, there's a little person you can hear in the background. So yes. if you hear that, uh, know that that's our special guest. There he goes again. You are absolutely going to be hearing uh, Langston as he plays in his Exer Saucer uh, while we record that's, the podcast. That's amazing. We, we do the podcast like real people. We don't have fancy studios, you know, nothing nothing to avoid the like realities of life going on around us. So um, enjoy, enjoy a peek into like what it's really like to record a podcast. <laughs> Yes. How are you doing, Eric? I'm good, I'm good. You know, just wrangling the baby and, you know, getting caught up on work and stuff. Um, Yeah, I cannot complain. What about you? What are you you reading? What are you up to? So, um, I am getting ready to go on a working vacation, which is like, you go away, you know, not too far from home, but far enough that you're not... Uh, tempted to come home and get stuff done. So um, I've got a few like side projects that I want to get done and uh, also like a pile of books I want to plow through. (laughs) So I've been like putting stuff aside that I want to take with me when I go and then um, trying to figure out like what to read before I go, you know, because I'm going to obviously read in the next five, six days. But uh, also I want to save some stuff that will be really interesting to read while I'm gone. Like, I don't want to pack something that I might not like. Uh, I want to pack stuff that's like going to excite me the whole time. Cause when I'm not working, I plan on sitting on a beach and doing nothing but reading. So, uh, what about you? What have you been reading? Nice. That sounds, oh man, that sounds perfect. Um, (laughs) so, well, my whining on the last episode worked, uh, and I got sent a copy (laughs) of Whole Metal Girls by Emily Skrukey. And, uh, it's just as awesome as I knew it would be. Um, Thank you to the kind people at Delacorte for not blocking me on social media forever uh, and sending this over. Um, yeah, it's, like, action-packed. It's exciting. Um, it's about a teen girl who undergoes this, like, intense... Uh, oh, hi, buddy. Goes into intense modification to become a super soldier to raise money to save her brother from a uh, from a plague. So it's this really fun sci-fi novel, um, and I'm just sort of obsessed. I'm probably going to finish it today. <laughs> um, let me see. I also just started reading uh, Habibi, which is a uh, Kickstarter-funded <laughs> anthology of stories and comics by Muslim authors from all around the world. Uh, it was put together by Hadila Masari and Naila Ali, um, and the authors in it include Candace Montgomery, whose novel Home and Away comes out later this year, and Kuna Razi, who's, she wrote that lovely middle-grade book, The Gauntlet. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's a Kickstarter funded book and I've donated to a lot of like Kickstarter funded projects and maybe that'll be episode one day, like best crowdfunded YA books. Um, but this is like hands down the most beautiful, like, oh my goodness, the cover has like all this gold lettering on it. Um, like it looks like a book you'd pick up in the store, like easily. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really loving it. There's comics and stuff. It's just, it is just lovely. Um, so yeah, you know, just... Reading and, and trying to relax and enjoying the weather and, and saving small bunnies. There's a, a bunny in my backyard that needed to be rescued from a cat the other day. Uh, so, yeah, it's like a little Disney movie in here. <laughs> Aww. Um, so I have been reading, I'm like halfway through Here to Stay by Sarah Farazin. And uh, it's a book about Islamophobia and about this boy who he makes a major uh, gameplay during one of his high school basketball games and sort of is thrust into the spotlight. He's suddenly hanging out with the cool kids, but also that comes with this massive backlash. And um, so it it tackles these really heavy topics. But the thing that I am just dying as I'm reading this book, it's so funny too. Um, Bijan, the main character likes to pretend that he has sports commentators in his head. So every once in a while you get these interjections (laughs) that are these two sports commentators talking. And it's just like, every time that comes up, like I I have to put the book down. I'm laughing so hard. Um, And it's just like, I, that's really keeping me engaged with something that's super hard to read um, in terms of like what it's tackling and just like how hard it is to, to read something that's just, 
you know, you know, it's real. Like this is real uh, stuff that goes on every single day. And yet it's got this humor in it where it's like you can't not want to keep going because you love this character so much. And just like he's a dork and he's totally cool being a dork. Um, so I've just been I've been enjoying that a lot. And uh, that next one up on my pile is Puddin' by Julie Murphy because I haven't read it yet. And I see in your note that you just got a copy sent to you of Puddin' with a copy of Dumplin', and I got that too. That's oh, what nice. made me like <laughs> so excited to pick it up because um, it had been on my list and on my radar. And it's like it was one of those things. It's like I had a um, digital copy of it and then I never got to it. So now I'm like, hmm, I have no excuse now. It's like I don't have to return it to the library. It's not going to expire. Like it's going to sit on my shelf and I'm going to read it. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yay, awesome. And I like it when um, like publishers use a sequel or a companion novel to push the new book and they like mm-hmm. send both of them at the same time. Um, I don't know, because just from like the business side of things, I know it can be kind of hard to promote a companion or a sequel. So it's, I don't know. I like Julie a lot, so it's really nice to see that the publisher is pushing her as hard as they can because I love her books. Yeah, that. Uh, so when I got that, I also got the Kate Katie Contugno, the Ninety Nine Days, and then the um, Nine Days and Nine Nights, the new one. Mm-hmm. And you've you've talked about her book so much, but I hadn't read the first one, so I didn't like want to pick up the second and not know any backstory. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it was really nice to get both of them because I'm like, oh, I could sit down and blow through both of them at one time, you know. And uh, as I've talked about, I have that sequel issue. Uh, where I need them both at the same time, or it's just not going to happen. So this is like I've got no excuse now. Yeah, well, all. there it is. That's um, like the you, perfect uh, example of that. So yeah, yeah. publishers who are listening, yeah. keep doing that. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great, and and it's also nice too because then you have both of them. If you don't end up keeping them or reading them, it's like you can pass off both to another reader and be like, here you go. You know, you're going to like it. And also, by the way, you have no excuse because you have the whole um, the whole series. So um, <laughs> you know. Uh, I wanted to, before we dive into talking, mention, I mentioned this in the last podcast and I'll mention it one more time since we still got time for it. Uh, Book Riot is giving away $500, let me repeat that, $500 to a U.S. resident to the bookstore of their choice. So imagine being able to buy your dream summer reading list from your favorite bookstore. Um, It's open through June 21st, so you'll have a week-ish after the show airs to enter and the place you can enter at is bookriot.com slash bookstore 500. That's bookriot.com slash bookstore 500. And that's 500 as in 500. You don't have to actually type out the words 500. We make it super easy for you. Um, and then let's dive right into our first sponsor before we start uh, yeah. Start in. I'm still and so blown away, though, by like $500 to a bookstore. Like I know. That- that buys so many books. Uh, it really uh, yes- does. Yesterday I was in uh, Schuler's Books, which is a, an indie here in Michigan, uh, and they have a used bookstore section in addition to mm-hmm. all the new books everywhere. Uh, and I was rummaging around through it and like, oh goodness, they just have this like giant YA section of used books and everything is like 3 to $4. And I can't imagine having 500 bucks to wow. just spend in the – I would just take the bookshelf home. That would be it. I'm like, yeah. All right, yeah. Put this in my car. Thanks. <laughs> and also, then you have to quit your job and tell everybody that you're moving to a remote island because you have some reading you have to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, our first sponsor for the show is Little Do We Know by Tamara Ireland Stone. And it, here's the, the pitch for it Next door neighbors and ex best friends Hannah and Emery haven't spoken in months, not since their big fight. Until one night, Hannah finds Luke, Emery's boyfriend, doubled over in his car outside her house. In the aftermath of the accident, all three struggle to understand what happened in their own ways. But when a devastating secret about Hannah and Emery's argument ultimately comes to light, they must all re-examine the things that they hold true. Told in alternating chapters, a skeptic and a believer piece together the stories of their complex relationship with help from the boy caught somewhere in the middle. Tamara Ireland Stone is a New York Times bestselling author, and she's star. She's a star in the contemporary YA world, with an enthusiastic and vocal fan base eagerly awaiting her YA follow-up to every last word. And that's true. I really, really like her work. 
Uh, I haven't read this one yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, It's a strong contemporary read with two authentic teen voices. It has a nuanced approach to faith as the novel sees one character grappling with her beliefs and another seeking out the unfamiliar world of faith in a time of crisis, and a third finding her roots in family and friends instead. All three approaches are given equal weight and will appeal to teens navigating this complex topic. And bonus, there's a sweet and realistic romance at the center of the novel. Uh, and that is Little Do We Know by Tamara Ireland Stone, our first sponsor. That sounds awesome. I'm going to have to, uh, have to look for that one. I know. I was thinking, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you know, I knew it was coming. It has a beautiful cover. I just haven't, like, the story of my life, story of your life, story of any reader's life. Haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, <laughs> but, but desperately want to. <laughs> uh, so let's let's start the show doing something a little bit different than we uh, usually do. Let's just catch up on some YA news that's been going on because there's been a ton of great there YA news worth, worth sharing. And uh, I'll, I'll launch and talk about... Um, so Book Expo America was last week, and that's the big industry-wide event that really digs into like what's new, what's upcoming in the in the world of books. And one of the big showpieces is the Buzz Panel. So every year, five books in YA as well as middle grade, and then there's an adult Buzz Panel as well. These are titles that editors are really excited about. That will be big push titles that you'll probably see. Uh, quite frequently through your just everyday reading life over the next yeah. few months. And hi. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, thought it would be worth talking about the five buzz picks that were picked this year so readers can get them on their their radar. Um, and then I know you are familiar with a couple of them and I'm familiar with one of them. Um, so we can we can talk about that a little bit too. So the, the first one is Adib Coram's Darius the Great is Not Okay, and it's about a nerdy, depressed 15-year-old Iranian-American boy who travels to his mom's hometown in Iran for the first time, and he finds himself connecting with his heritage and with a friend who might be more than just a friend. Uh, that one comes out in August, and you are familiar with this one, aren't you? Um, not super familiar. I got sent a copy, but I haven't really picked it up yet because there's so many books right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been hearing lots of great things about it. People are, Twitter is a light over that book. Yeah, I, I've read some really great reviews of it, so I've been looking forward to that one a ton. Uh, the next one on the list is The Girl King by Mimi Yu, and it's an Asian-inspired high fantasy about imperialism, sisterhood, and magic. And that one comes out in January. The third one is Sadie by Courtney Summers, which we've talked about here a little bit. And it's a thriller about a girl who is on the hunt for a sister's killer and an investigative journalist who has a podcast that's following the clues that are left behind in this story. Um, It's out in September, and it is highly recommended. I Um, cannot wait for that one. What's that? That one's very high up on my I must have that list. I, I think you would really dig it. The uh, next one is Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Gan, and that's an Asian-inspired fantasy world where a demon king takes human girls for concubines, and it's the story of the forbidden love between two of the girls and how far those girls are willing to fight for their freedom and for each other, and that one comes out in November. And I've read so many great reviews of this one that I'm really looking forward to it, though I'm not a huge fantasy reader. The cover um, for that one is gorgeous. Like, yes, oh my it goodness. is. And then the the last, the fifth pick uh, for the BEA Buzz panel was Rebecca Hanover's The Similars, which is out in early 2019. It didn't have a pub date yet, but I would guess January or February. Um, And it's about a girl named Emma who arrives at a boarding school when she's grieving the death of her best friend. And then she comes face to face with his clone, one of a breed of clones known as Similars. That sounds fascinating. Yes. I'm a sucker for clone and like, uh, like twin stories and whatnot. Like, uh, oh goodness, that dual series and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really interesting slate of titles that are all so different and yet also so fascinating. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to reading them. I, is this the part where I tell the publishers they can send us copies of them? Yes, absolutely. is that how that works? Awesome. <laughs> So it's funny, while you were talking about all that, uh, I, I randomly remembered that uh, like two weeks ago, Publishers Marketplace released their Buzz Books list. 
um, that I thought might be interesting to, to talk about a little bit. Um, and we can leave a note, a link in the in the show notes, because even though Publishers Marketplace, like the website, is very like industry specific and catered, um, you can still download these things for free and you know get them on your Kindle, your Nook, your iPad, Google, whatever. Um, and read, like, first, second, third chapters of all these books for free, um, which is very exciting. Um, so in that list, and uh, Kelly, I'll put this in our notes later, uh, you'll be able to read uh, The Gilded Wolves by Rashi Chosky is one of the uh, buzz panel books. Um, there's also uh, Julia, I don't quite know how to say her last name. Is it K- Kagawa? Kagawa. Kagawa? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, her, sh- her new book, Shadow of the Fox, is in there. Um, a YA, hey, YA favorite, Cody Kepliger. Uh, her newest book, uh, That's Not What Happened, is highlighted in that. Um, and some, I don't know, some of my clients in my agent life are also in that, who I will not mention. Um, <laughs> but you can read the first chapter of Courtney Summer Sadie, which you were just discussing in here, uh, as mm-hmm. one of the free buzz book titles, uh, as well as... Uh, Girls of Paper and Fire. Yeah, and there's... Oh, and The Similars is in here, too. Oh, goodness. All right, so here, this is nice. Yeah. Go go download yeah. this and read some of the books. <laughs> there's also... Um, there's this book that I got multiple copies of, and I haven't looked at it yet, called um, White is Silence, Red is Song by Alessandra Diavinia. And... The, the note for this one was that it has sold a million copies in Italy and it's been translated in over 20 languages. And apparently it was released as a film in 2012. But the, the book itself, when I got it, was like this was the equivalent of um, that John Green book in Italy. That John Green book. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Fault in Our like Stars. Like the Fault in Our Stars? <laughs> but it was compared to that in Italy. So um, I, I won't be surprised if we see that one popping up quite a bit. Wow, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, totally worth downloading that and checking out what what's in there. And and the nice thing about, you know, like a chapter or two is you get a good sense of the writing and whether it's going to click with you or not. And then you can mm-hmm. decide, you know, do you want to invest the time and effort in it or do you want to let it go and, you know, not find yourself frustrated because it just didn't, didn't work for you. Uh, so we have a bunch of book awards to talk about, too. Uh, it's... Weird to me that book awards come in the middle of the year, but I guess it makes sense if you do your um, do your awards from whatever June to May. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, but there've been the a few announced. Yeah. So uh, the first one, I know we both like this this one, uh, the Lambda Awards from the um, Lambda Society gave the YA prize to Like Water by Rebecca Potos. Yay! Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't read that one, that should hopefully inspire more people to read it. I loved it. It's about the kids who don't leave their small town when they graduate high school and the sorts of things that might keep them at home rather than having their great adventure somewhere bigger and more exciting than, you know, little town in New Mexico. So, um, and obviously it explores a number of uh, queer relationships throughout and it's, it's so beautiful. The writing is really fabulous. Yeah. I'm so happy about that one. And I know we've talked about awards as like gateways to like lesser known books um, or titles that sort of go under the radar. And when I was looking up the nominees for this award for the past year, like, this is definitely a great example of that. Like, I hadn't heard of Ashes to Asheville, which is a middle grade book, because I, you know, I just don't read middle grade all that often. So this might have slipped, uh, you know, my out of my library. Um, and then there's a book called Girls Like Me by Nina Packbush, which is a indie title from a really small press. Um, I definitely wouldn't have heard of that if it wasn't for this. So yeah, hit up the website and look up the uh, the other nominees. You might find some surprises. Yeah, I. I find that those nomination lists are sometimes like the best reading you can do when you're like, I need to read a book that is a little bit different or like, um, you know, I've read a lot of like straight white people lately. Mm -hmm. So I need to go to an organization that clearly has a focus on a certain type of book and can read like what they have vetted and found to be really good. Um, Because like you said, it's a nice mix of things you've heard of and also like a significant number of things that maybe you haven't heard of that have sort of not gotten the same buzz or marketing um, that say like the BEA buzz titles would get. So Mm -hmm. um, it helps expand your, your reading world. 
And uh, another award that was just announced last week was the Boston Globe Horn Book Award winners. And this year there were two YA books that took home prizes. And the first one was Photographic by Isabel Quintero and Zach Pena. And it's uh, a biography of a Mexican photographer. And it's very cool. I read it um, and it it uses the comic format to tell this nonfiction biography, but also incorporates some of her actual photographs in it. And it's told in a nonlinear way. It's it's fabulous. Um, the only thing, I wanted more photographs, but um, what's kind of nice is it's one of those books that spurs you to like do your own research. So um, yeah, a nice like, you know, wet your feet and then like keep going into the water, you know, do your own thing and uh, wait a little deeper. And then the uh, YA Fiction Award winner was The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo, which I know we've talked about on here. And it's a fabulous verse novel about a girl um, in Harlem, I believe, and her finding her voice through poetry. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Should we talk? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what else? What else? Oh, yes. The Hate You Give. (laughs) Hooray. So we got a release date for the movie. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. Um... The Hate You Give will be coming out on October 19th, uh, which doesn't even feel that far away anymore, right? That's like... No, it's it's really not. It's, it's not like right around the away. corner. Like, didn't The Hate You Give come out yesterday? Like, I can't yeah. believe this. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I am too. And I love how I Angie... Know. I don't know if you saw how Angie tweeted about it. She posted, like, the... She did, like, a cute little video uh, revealing the date where she, like, wrote everything out. Um... Yep, I need that movie now. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, speaking of the hate you give, you know how it won all of those awards earlier like all this of them. year? Yeah. Like all of them. Well, it won another one, and that would be <laughs> this year's Audio Award. Uh, Bonnie Turpin, who does the narration, won for her performance of the audiobook. Oh, that's which, fantastic. Um, I believe it also was an Odyssey winner, which is the. American Library Association's audiobook award. So um, clearly there's something great to the audiobook. I haven't listened to it because I read it, but everything that I've heard about it is just fabulous. So if you haven't read it yet, you might want to try it in audio, or if you have read it and you want to you know, revisit it, audio might be the way to go. All right. That sounds great. Yeah. Oh, Angie, yeah. all the good things. Right. Oh, I'm so happy. Do you, uh, do you want to talk about our second sponsor and then we can dive into some more book talk? Yeah, sounds good to me. Um, so sponsor number two is Mariam Sharma Hits the Road by Sheba Karim, sponsored by Epic Reads. Uh, with the heartbreaking honesty of Julie Murphy's Dumplin' and the smart snark of When Dimple Met Rishi, this remarkable road trip story uh, is about questioning where you come from and choosing the family that chooses you back. The summer after her freshman year of college, uh, Miriam is looking forward to hanging out with her best friends, uh, the irrepressible Gazala and the religious but closeted Omar. Uh, but when a scandalous photo of Gaz appears on a billboard, Miriam and Omar come up with a plan to rescue her from her furious parents. And what could be better than a spontaneous road trip to New Orleans? That sounds awesome! And you know, like Kelly, we were talking about like road trip YA fairly recently while we were just... You mm-hmm. know, G-chatting yeah, I was, I was thinking about it because I read this book and found it to be a lot of fun and just a very different take on the road trip because so many road trip books are white kids and there is something about white kids on a road trip where there's, the stakes are so much lower than yeah. having teens of color who are on a road trip because there's so much more that they're going to encounter just by virtue of their skin. Mm-hmm. And so it was fascinating to read this one and see um, just how those teens navigate going through the deep South. And uh, the reason that they're on the road trip is also part of um, that story of race and uh, cultural expectations. So it does a really nice job of balancing like these big serious issues with like a fun road trip um, that, yeah. you know, is at times not so fun because it can't be. Um, yeah, in the same you know, way that it is for you know, your average your average white teen. Yeah, and it's super interesting to see that it takes place after the freshman year of college. You know, like I feel mm-hmm. like most college YA, it's, you know, right before the semester starts or during the freshman year. Like this is, you know, after that year is up. I'm, yeah, I gotta, I gotta read this one. Yeah, I think you would, you would feel it. You would feel it. Um, <laughs> 
And and the comparison, the honesty of Dumplin with the snark of when Dimple met, met Rishi, I feel like that's really good. Like, sort of feel for how this book this book plays out. Nice. And speaking of things that we have spoken about, we talked in the last episode, like very briefly, about teens in the military, and thought that that would be a really good thing to like dig into just a little bit more. And by a little bit more, I mean we have a bunch of book recommendations. To, yes. To talk about, and uh, so I guess my first comment is why don't we see more books with teens in the military any any idea like why it's so rare because i I think about i think about the kids i went to high school with and a a number of them i mean they were very involved in things like um jrotc Mm -hmm. and then proceeded to do things in the military upon graduation Uh, one of my good friends he didn't enlist after uh, high school because he went straight to college but when he graduated from college this was like we we all graduated during the the bottom of the recession and he decided that he was gonna enlist then and like that's what he did and um I think about not just those you know 18 to 25 year olds who are enlisting but I think about like the families and the the younger siblings who are impacted by this choice because I mean that's not like uh you know, going to college, going to get an education, kind of have an idea of like what that path looks like. When you enlist in the military, it's like, who really knows? You know, mm-hmm. you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know, like, if you're going to have to do a tour of duty, you don't know what that sort of life could look like, you know, six, eight, 12 months out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I love that we're talking about this, especially because my, my wife started kicking around her idea for a YA novel. Um, and she wants to focus it on a teen joining the military. Uh, hi, darling. Um, and I picked up a bunch of YA novels, you know, about teens in the military for her to, like, check out. Uh, and, you know, we were just saying how there's not many. And there really aren't. And the ones that do exist, like, so many of them are about PTSD. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, which, which is, you know, fine because that's, you know, quite obviously a thing. But that's not all there is to it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to see more, and I'd love to see them do um, do some things that are a little different, I guess, than you know, mostly just talking about that. Right, and uh, something I was thinking about as I was like pulling together titles too is um, so Walter Dean Myers. I was just talking about him in the Book Right Back channel yesterday about how he has written so many books that are now sort of seen as like contemporary issues books. Which, by contemporary issues, I mean, like, now that these are things affecting white people, they're Mm -hmm. important to talk about. Whereas he was doing this stuff, you know, a decade or more ago because he was aware of what's going on in his own community as well as, like, the broader picture of teens who are not white and middle class. And so he wrote a series called Fallen Angels, and then he wrote a a standalone Sunrise Over Fallujah, which are um, military-themed, war-themed YA books. But... It got me thinking about how there's a serious lack of books about teens of color who are serving. Yeah. Um, and I just, I have no idea why that is because uh, obviously they do. And then in addition to that, like, where are the girls who are serving? Because also, like, that is reality. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things that's like as you read more and more and you start thinking about these these topics, you're like, where is this? Where is that? Where is this? Because you know what the reality looks like. You know, it's rare that it's the middle-class white boy who's going to serve in the military after high school. And yet that's, what's most represented in the, in the fiction. So, um, and, and I think too, you'll see that play out when we talk about our book recommendations, because, um, (laughs) a lot of them are the same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and like you brought up the, the issue of PTSD, which is a real, you know, terrible issue and a terrible reality that plays out in, in a lot of, at least the ones that I've got to talk about. Um, and I don't know about yours cause I haven't, I haven't peeked at your, your titles yet. I wanted to, to be surprised there. So uh, do you want to start talking about what you've got? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so like I said, I bought a bunch of these for my wife, and you know, some of them I've read, some of them I haven't. Um, one of them I definitely have is Meet Me Here by Brian Bliss, who's an evergreen YA favorite. Um, in this one, we meet a teenager who is gearing up to join the military. Uh, he comes from a military family. His father is very much one of those, like, you're going in, end of story. Uh, he feels like one of those dads you would see in, like, an 80s movie. Um, and his brother is a, a veteran who's returned home from the war with severe PTSD. Uh, his brother wanders around town. He throws his medals off the town bridge. It's, it's all really rough. Um, and at the center of it, you have this character who's just trying to figure out what he really wants for himself. You know, he's not sure if he's going to do this, if he's going to maybe run off. Uh, he's talking about that a lot. He's talking about, talks about skipping town. Um, and it all takes place in one night where he uh, reconnects with his like childhood best friend slash maybe love interest slash maybe I don't really know what's going on. Uh, who kind of, you know, takes them all around town on, on these various little, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, these little... little friendship missions, I guess, uh, as they reconnect and he tries to, you know, wrestle with what it is he, he actually wants, um, as opposed to what his family, uh, wants for him. Um, yeah, and it's just really, it's a really great novel of friendship and family and, uh, also just happens to talk about the, uh, the military a bit. And that one is, uh, Meet Me Here by Hey YA favorite, Brian Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the first one I will bring up is by somebody who I feel like is super slept on in YA and who rarely gets talk of, talked about. And the book is I'll Meet You There by Heather Demetrios. Uh, she has written both fantasy and contemporary, and I feel like her contemporary is sort of uh, overlooked, and yet it does some of the coolest, most realistic stuff in terms of like rural poverty. And sort of looking at those teens who are outside the uh, main, you know, middle class upbringing. Mm-hmm. And um, so in this book, she looks at a teen girl who grows up without much and how it is she has to do these things to simply survive. So like uh, Skylar, her mom loses her job. And this is just three months before Skylar is supposed to go away to art school, which she's been looking forward to forever so she can get out of this trailer park that she lives in with her mom. And um, unfortunately, because her mom loses her job, Skylar has to find a new job. And she ends up taking it at this quirky highway motel in town. And she meets this boy named Josh, who is a Marine who just came home from war And he is missing a leg and he has a bunch of mental challenges that come along with both having uh, been injured during war, but also having seen what he has seen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the two of them form a really good bond in this story. And it's a really powerful look at both friendship and romance and sorts of and the sorts of ways that we carry scars with us both internally and externally and how somebody's service in the military not only impacts them but then sort of impacts the way they view the world and how they can and and can't develop relationships once they're back um into their quote-unquote normal life again and that's i'll meet you there by heather demetrios yeah that's one of the ones i i recently picked up it has that really like neat cover with the uh like the motel sign Mm mm-hmm yeah, no, I've seen that one. Um, let's see, here's one that I haven't read. Uh, it's called Rites of Passage by Joy uh, and Hesley. Um, this one's about a teen girl going through uh, a military academy. Um, it's not one I've read, but it's definitely on my coffee table right now. Um, and it come, came highly recommended from book Twitter when I was asking about YA in the military. Um, main character, Sam, uh, she's a kid of the military, much like Brian Bliss's character, Meet Me Here. Um, but in this novel, uh, the boys at the academy are trying to push the girls out of the program. So there's all this bullying going on. Um, meanwhile, the main character, Sam, is uh, starting to fall for the, the drill sergeant, which um, is definitely a bad idea. Uh, and I you know, don't know all that much more about this one, but like I said, it was highly recommended. Uh, and it has uh, this really gorgeous, iconic cover with um, the dog tags hanging down on it. Um, and it's called uh, Rites of Passage by Joy N. Hensley. That reminded me of a title I just saw a review of that I haven't mm-hmm. read or know much about, and that's The Academy by Katie Sis, which is also about a 
teen girl in the military academy. And that's literally all I know about it. But as you were talking about that one, I was like, oh, I have to mention that because I know <laughs> I've seen it. And the cover is like a – it's an illustrated cover and it looks like uh, one of those – I want to say like prep school <laughs> rich girl stories, but it's apparently mm-hmm. not. And uh, that's why I like it hasn't – made me stop to pick it up. But now that you mentioned that, I want to because I remember the cover didn't match like what I had read about it. And that's uh, The Academy by Katie Sis. Uh, but that's not my my recommendation. That was my, <laughs> oh, this made me think of another book um, moment. I will give a recommendation, though, for Things a Brother Knows by Dana Reinhart, which I mentioned in the last episode. And it's uh, It's about a uh, boy named Levi whose older brother, Bose, returns from a tour of duty. And um, Levi knows that there's something wrong with his brother, but he can't quite put his finger on it. Their Mm. relationship had been strained for a while because Levi hadn't been entirely supportive of his brother um, not going to college immediately after high school and instead choosing to enroll in the military. Um, And he's also found it difficult to be the younger brother of the town hero who is, you know, fighting for the country. But uh, Levi wants to figure out what it is that has caused his brother to change so much. So he starts to sort of follow him and really pay attention to what he's saying and how he's behaving and how he's withdrawing. And um, he's able then to sort of piece together what has happened to his brother and how he himself can be a better support for uh, Bose. And it's a story about brotherhood and war. And this one came out quite a while ago, but it's still timely and relevant. And sort of, um, I, it, it's the sort of book that I feel like we need to see more of. Of the, mm-hmm. you know, what happens when a family member comes back who, you know, you may or may not have agreed with the decision that they made. And um, this, there's so few. There's so few. Um, one of the next books I'm going to talk about is about a brother relationship similarly, but it's about when the brother doesn't come home from war, but I'll hold off on that one. Um, so you can share your next one. Uh, so yeah, it's another one I haven't read and I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for it. Um, it's the impossible knife of memory by Lori Hulse Anderson. Um, like, do you get in trouble for skipping Lori Hulse Anderson? I feel like that's like a, <laughs> like that's bad in YA. I apologize listeners. Um, I have it. It's in my to be read list. Um, this one isn't so much about a team in the military or heading off to the military, but one that's dealing with the aftershocks. Um, it's about a teenager named Haley who's trying to help her father uh, as he wrestles with PTSD. Um, I believe they've been like traveling for a really long time, and they're finally trying to settle down. Um, and while this is happening, she's trying to uh, handle everything that's going on with him, uh, from drugs to his sort of mental breakdowns. Um, but I haven't read this one. Have you read this one, Kelly? I have. Uh, it's been a long time, though, but I remember it being pretty much your, um, you know, trademark, like, intense, real, mm-hmm. heart-pounding Lori Hall Sanderson read, um, but with a daughter and her um, father and sort of how she navigates that situation because he relies on her so much, even though she's the daughter um, and mm. she really needs him to be, you know, to be your dad, but... He just, he has a hard time being that because of his uh, mental illness. Yeah. But I recommend it. Yes, totally recommend it. And I recommend <laughs> you read it too because, yes, I think you get sent to jail if you haven't read the Sanderson. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I give you a pass on middle grade, but I don't know if I can give you a pass on this one. <laughs> My uh, next recommendation is Personal Effects by Ian Cokie, which is the one that I had foreshadowed before. And, um, So Matt's brother, TJ, was killed in Iraq, and when this happens, Matt knows he needs to find some way to reconnect with his brother to find that closure he needs, um, because he's working through this really difficult grief. And as Matt seeks out answers, he discovers that his brother may have kept a relationship in his life a secret, and it's the sort of relationship that would shock his father as well as his fellow soldiers. Um, So this book came out or was written during the era of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And even though I think some of the political stuff might read a little bit dated, uh, I also wonder if maybe not, given our current political climate. Um, But it's, you know, it's about uh, uh, 
boy in the military who had a relationship with a, with another male partner and how he kept that a secret from literally everybody and why he had to keep that a secret from everybody. And um, it's also about grief and, and brotherhood and what happens when somebody you love goes off to war and doesn't come back home. Um, and that is Personal Effects by Ian Koki. Wow, that sounds really good. Um, and for my last one, uh, In Honor by Jesse Kirby. Um, I think this was her first book. Um, so this is another one uh, that's in line with Lori Hulse Anderson's where it's a, a team dealing with the fallout of what's happened. Um, so In Honor, it opens up with a, uh, we have a letter that the main character sent uh, from her brother who was killed overseas while he's deployed. Uh, when she opens it up on the day of his funeral, she finds these concert tickets inside uh, to go see her favorite musician, um, who her brother also had this like massive crush on. And like the letter has this like joke in it where he's like, oh, you know, when you go to the concert, tell her I'm in love with her. Um, but, you know, like, grief makes us cope in strange ways, you know? So she's mm-hmm. she actually gets determined to do it, you know? So she takes the tickets, uh, and she gears up to go on a road trip to, you know, potentially talk to this famous musician, and she ends up connecting with her brother's uh, hometown best friend, who agrees to go on the road trip with her. So off they go on this adventure to uh, say what <laughs> her brother always, you know, supposedly wanted to say to this, uh, this singer while she's connecting with... Uh, the best friend and learning more about her brother and it's uh, yeah it's sort of in line with what Jesse Kirby's books are like where they're like charming uh, but at the same time uh, pretty you know pretty hard hitting you know get some tears and uh, that one is In Honor by Jesse Kirby oh and the main character's name is Honor hence the uh, very clever title there I really like this one um, I read this about the same time that I read um a bunch of the ones that I just recommended. It's like I went on, uh, I don't want to say I went on a, a reading spree, but a bunch of them came out in about the same year, year and a half of each other. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's interesting to see like what the commonalities were now that you're a few years removed from it and talking about like what sticks and what um, you remember about the books and what pieces were like key to recommending the book. Um and it's interesting to look at those and then look now and be like, where, why aren't there more? And why aren't there more doing X and Y and Z? Because this is, you know, reality. So um, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is more, please. And, um, you know, more inclusive titles and um, a wider range of like topics to be discovered because grief and mental illness are huge and, and important. And yeah. uh, so are other emotions and experiences related to teens who are choosing the military or teens who are living with, you know, a sibling or a parent who has chosen that, that life. And I can't think that, that makes me think like, how many do, how many books can you think of, if any, about teens who are like growing up with military parents and moving around all the time? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, no, that's a hard one. Yeah. So hopefully these, these recommendations, you know, will We'll do good to fill in readers who are interested until we get even more. So we need more. So let's segue into our next topic because I feel like we've sort of like talked around this a little bit. Um, and that's let's talk about some cool adults in YA Lit. Uh, we're so used to talking about the teens and, and obviously teens because it's YA. But uh, I love when we have really interesting adults in YA as well. I was just going to start by saying, like, I grew up living with my grandparents from the age of, like, 6 to 18. Uh, So I had a really cool experience of having three really great adults in my life. My mom, my grandma, my grandpa. My dad was not in the picture. And um, so as I was thinking about this list, I didn't include any parents in it. I included a lot of grandparents uh, just because for some reason those really resonate with me. And I think it's from having grown up living with my own grandparents and having that experience. But uh, I wanted to throw out a couple of really good authors for great parents. Um, Amy Spaulding, hey, YA favorite. She does some great parents. Uh, and, and by great, I don't mean they're always happy or always perfect, but rather they're really well-developed and interesting and complex and um, are an important part of the teen's journey through the story in some way. Um, I think Brandy Colbert 
does hers really well. And the parents in Little and Lion, I felt like, were were great. It's a blended family. So you get um, step-parents in the mix in this one. And the dad and her upcoming Finding Yvonne is so dang good. I love the dad in that that story. And then um, Maureen Gu does father-daughter relationships that absolutely kill me in the best way. Um, I, I mentioned I didn't have a relationship with my dad growing up. And uh, so whenever I see an awesome one in YA, it just does it for me. Like, not in an envious way, but in a you know, that's so cool because I didn't know what that's like sort of way. And um, the the last two books Maureen Gu has done have had just super cool dad-daughter relationships that um, just really stand out to me. I love this topic and, and this idea, um, especially because I feel like <laughs> readers of YA always like to joke about parents in books because they mm-hmm. constantly die or they're missing completely. Um, <laughs> I just like seeing parents who are written really well. Um, like I finally watched Love Simon, um, the movie based on Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becker Albitali, and I feel like that's a spectacular example of parents done really well. Um, not just in the movie, but in Becky's wonderfully warm and charming novels. Um, you know, Upside of Unrequited, like all of the parents are always so well written and so um, I don't know, they're just great. I'm I'm a big fan. Um, what was I going to say in addition to that? Um, though you know, I do struggle with finding great examples in YA and fantasy and sci-fi because those parents are dead. <laughs> like, uh, so many fantasy and genre books uh, start off with the, the parents being dead. You know, they're, uh, it's the, the new prince or princess claiming the throne because, oh, surprise, the parents are dead. Or, um, you know, the, the orphan uh, warrior. You know, like, it's... They're those tropes that exist and they always have the, the dead parents, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, in my own books. Parents are, the parents are dead. I, I, uh, I'm grateful that I, I have a family that, that doesn't really read my writing, because they would <laughs> see that they're dead in all the books. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's one of those things, it's like when you start thinking about the craft of writing versus the, like, storytelling aspect, uh, it's easier just to have dead parents because then you don't have to explain them. You know? <laughs> like if they're dead, it's like, well, okay. You yeah. know? <laughs> but, um, man, we are laughing about dead parents, which is not a funny topic at all. <laughs> um, but let's talk about like some cool adults. Um, I don't know if you included parents in your list. I did not. Mine is really like grandparent heavy and older okay. adult heavy. But, uh, so, I was going to start by talking about this book that I was thinking about the other day. Um, when I was a teen, I must have been an older teen, um, I was obsessed with this book called Under the Mermaid Angel by Martha Moore. And I have not read it since grad school, so I have no idea how it holds up. I, I've got like just the vaguest memory of being obsessed with this book. And um, what I remember, and, and I looked up notes to verify what I remember is true, is that it's about a 13-year-old girl who lives in this tiny Texas town. I want to say it's called, like, Ida, Texas. And uh, she lives in a trailer park with her mom. And she has this neighbor who is an, um, an adult. I don't know how old she is, but she's like she must be a younger adult. And um, she's, like, super worldly and eccentric. And um, the 13-year-old, like, cannot wrap her head around why such a cool person would live in such a small town in a trailer park. And um, so she, like, develops this friendship with this adult. And not in, like, a weird sort of way, but, like, in sort of, I don't want to say a mentorship sort of way, because that's not true, but in a way that, like, she really starts to understand the situations that adults find themselves in sometimes, you know, like, as as much as your best efforts exist, like, sometimes as an adult, things don't always pan out the way that you hoped that they would, and mm-hmm. um, in this case, it's like, you know, you make, you make do with what you've got, and, um, yeah, it's just, I, I need to go reread it, because... I, clearly the details I only remember are this relationship between, you know, a 13 year old and, uh, this older, older, this, this adult woman and, um, how that sort of fuels the story. So who are some of your, I don't know, who are some of your favorites? Uh, I guess in like, you know, recent memory here. Yeah. You have a, you have <laughs> books here. that I remember more recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of my, 
recent, recent favorites is The Last Summer of the Garrett Girls by Jessica Spotswood. It has a really awesome grandma in it. Um, and she's sort of the center of the family. The four sisters, the Garrett sisters, live with grandma. And uh, the book pitch is that it's Little Women by way of Sarah Dustin, which is sort of the perfect description because it's for very different sisters, um, all in different parts, different stages in their lives, trying to figure out what it is they want, what it is they don't want. They all have very different personalities and uh, the story's told through each of their voices. But what connects them is grandma and living with grandma and sort of um, what's going to happen at the end of the summer when one of the sisters is getting ready to go off to college, uh, the same college as this boy that she's been dating for a long time and they have this long relationship and um, the older sister has a huge responsibility at the independent bookstore that grandma owns and what's going to happen when summer ends and, um, you know, will the bookstore survive and how will the legacy continue? You know, because grandma's getting a little bit older. And um, so it's just, it's very cool to see a story that sort of centers around grandma as the glue that connects four sisters. Um, and that is The Last Summer of the Garrett Girls by Jessica Spotswood. It just came out this week, so it's available nice. to read now. Yeah, I was just about to ask if that was a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you got? What's on your list? Well, uh, this tiny perfect world by Lauren Gabaldi. Um, so I, you know, I love Lauren's books. You know, in general, uh, all of her books have parents that are really wonderfully written. Um, the adoptive family in Autofocus is great. Um, the family in uh, The Night We Said Yes is really wonderful. Uh, but I just adore the father in this tiny perfect world. Um, so in this book, we have this teen girl who's sort of wrestling whether or not she wants to live like this bigger, bolder life away from her small town, or if she wants to stay home and work in the cafe her father used to own with her mother, who passed away uh, many years ago. Um, it's a little bit like um, like Water, you know, Rebecca's book in a way, with the mm-hmm. um, trying to, you know, living the people that stay in the small town. Like, what are their lives like? Um, in this case, the small town is Christmas, Florida. Uh, and in the book... Oh, hi, buddy. Um... <laughs> And, like, in the book, her dad is this guy who, like, fights for her no matter what her choice is going to be. You know, whether she's going to stay home and, and run the small cafe because, you know, he thinks that's what she really wants to, to do and he knows how much, uh, you know, her mother meant to her. Or if she wants to, you know, travel to New York City and, and pursue this life of theater. He's just this, like, bastion of, like, love and support. Um, but underneath, he also has all these flaws. You know, he's hiding things. Um, you know, he's sort of wrestling with his grief over the loss of his wife in, in not the well, not the best way, you know, he, he's channeling it through working in the cafe, which might not necessarily be what he wants to be doing with his life. Um, so he's just really well written and well developed and my son is grabbing my headphones, stop, I can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's uh, This Tiny Perfect World by Lauren Gavaldi. <laughs> Speaking of being a cool dad, right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> so my next pick is another grandma. Um, and this is the grandma in Mayor's War by Tanita S. Davis, which um, has the coolest paperback cover ever. Like, I'm obsessed with this paperback cover, which if you haven't seen it, go look it up because it's just so great. Um, so the, the story is about... Octavia and Tali, who are dreading this road trip that their parents are making them take take with Grandma. Because, see, Grandma embarrasses them. She drives a red sports car. She wears stiletto heels. She wears flippy wigs and push-up bras. And she insists, she insists that she's way too young to be a grandma. So, like, cool Grandma is not cool to these girls, right? But uh, Mm -hmm. while they're on the road, Mare, who is Grandma, starts telling the girls this story about how she managed to escape living in the deep south when she was younger, how she lied about her age, and how she became a member of the African-American Battalion of the Women's Army Corps during the World War II. And uh, so the story alternates between past and present. So it's uh, in the present, she's telling the story. She's in the car on this road trip. The the girls are sitting there listening to the story. And then in uh, the second part, it's grandma being a really cool teen girl in this, you know, Black Army Corps Ital- uh, battalion oh. during World War II. And uh, so, I, you know, it's an awesome road trip meets historical fiction meets awesome as heck grandma story. So uh, that's Mare's War by Tania S. Davis. That sounds awesome. Yeah, um, it is. So one that just sort of 
sprung to me um, right before we recorded was uh, the Selection series by Kira Cass. Um, I love these books. They're like they're like popcorn, and they're so much fun. <laughs> um, and these books do something really interesting when it comes to uh, when it comes to parents in in the story. Um, so in the first three books, we have the main character uh, whose name's America, uh, sort of you know entering this uh, competition to potentially win the hand of a prince. It's very uh, bachelor esque. Uh, in the the way it's written, where many princesses enter, uh, one princess leaves. Oh god, it makes it sound like they die. It's not the Thunderdome. <laughs> they are just trying to uh, trying to get married. Um, and the main character has this like wonderfully supportive family back at home. Uh, you know who you know just want the best for her, even if she doesn't necessarily want to pursue uh, everything that's going on. Um, and then the book does something really interesting where after the third book, uh, the next three books in the series um, are from the perspective of the main character in the first three books' daughter. Uh, oh. So the main character from the first three books, who's a teenager throughout the entire thing, uh, becomes the parent and the adult in the other books. Uh, oh. So you have this parent who, like, you know absolutely everything about her experience as a teenager and what she went through, uh, and it makes it so much more interesting um, to have this, like, very layered character, uh, and it's a lot of fun, and it's, uh, you know, I love these books. They're, they, are, they are a good sign. You know, talking about that reminds me of a, um, this is an adult book I read this year, but it, it's definitely like YA crossover, and it's called Brass by Jeanette... Aliu, mm-hmm. and it's a story about two 17-year-old, 18-year-old, like right in that cusp area, teenagers, but it's told in two points of view, and one point of the view is the mom, and the other is the daughter. So you get what the daughter is trying to figure out about the mom as the mom is telling her story at her age. So it's really cool. It's two timelines, but you know that these two characters are mom and daughter and you sort of get to see like both sides of the story similar, you know, the the story itself is very different than the selection is, but it does that same thing where you get the like, Oh, mom was a teenager once too. And, you know, experienced things. And, you know, I'm a teenager now and I'm experiencing things and sort of seeing it layered like that is so cool. I love storytelling that does that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. Um, so my next one is, oh, I love this character so, so much. My next one is Scarlett Epstein Hates It Here by Anna Breslau. And so it's about this girl named Scarlett who she's always been sort of a quote unquote nobody at school. Um, and it only gets worse when her favorite TV show ends up getting canceled because she loves this TV show. This is like her whole life. She writes all kinds of stories about it. Like it's a fandom book essentially, right? Mm-hmm. But the show gets canceled. So now it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And uh, so she starts turning to writing fan fiction about people from school. Uh, Like, have you seen Tina in Bob's Burgers writing friend fiction? That's exactly Um, what I was thinking about when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) So think, you know, friend fiction. uh, But about people in school she's not necessarily friends with. And uh, (laughs) anyway, so it sounds like you're like, okay, cool, cool, right? So it's a... It's fun. It's a very fun story. Uh, but really, the winner in the story is this woman named Ruth, who lives next door to Scarlett. Um, she's just a delight every single time she's on the page. And uh, it's through Ruth that Scarlett sort of finds a better way to integrate her integrate into her school and to sort of embrace her own brand of weirdness and, like, accept that it's okay to be who she is and... Um, you know, also okay to like mourn stuff that you love going away. And uh, man, Ruth, that's all I can say. She was like, she was a standout character for me in a book of like really great characters. Um, and that's Scarlett Epstein hates it here by Anna Breslau. <laughs> Friend fiction. I'm gonna I'm going to pick that up. Um, oh, you would love it. I, I'm surprised you haven't read that one. It's, yeah, no, I need to get that one now. Uh, so this one's also you know a kind of. Uh, geeky fandom-esque book. It's uh, An Infinite Number of Parallel Universes by Randy Rubai. Um, so this book has multiple point of views. Um, 
there's something like five of them, and as you're reading along, they eventually all combine into the final chapter, which I think is a really interesting uh, way to write a story like this. Um, so it's about a group of friends who play Dungeons and Dragons, you know, a geek like me, uh, who live in Camden in Philadelphia, and how their friendships sort of grown and shifted over the years as they're getting older and moving to new neighborhoods, um, and it all accumulates into them taking this uh, taking this road trip because one of the one of the teenagers wants to to prove his love for. Uh, one of the girls that used to be in their their friend group. Um, what I love about this book um, isn't just the wildly different main characters, um, but it's the families, you know, because uh, you know some of the characters have these very supportive parents, um, some of them have these monstrous parents. Um, it's just this like really clever blend of seeing all these different well developed families uh, in the book, um, because like no one's perfect and everyone feels uh, just really real. Um, yeah, it's you, you get to see five different families, and it's uh, it's really interesting, um, and it's a uh, an infinite number of parallel universes. So my last one is a book that um, is not unknown, but uh, so growing up, I as I mentioned, I, I lived with my grandparents, and I was really close with my grandpa, and uh, we had just a great relationship, like. <laughs> You know, um, he was like the kind of guy who would sneak me like rolls of sweet tarts um, into the house. Like my mom would say no candy and he would he had this window like that was in our um, like mudroom sort, you know, like the room that exists between the garage and then the house. And Mm -hmm. there was a window in there and it had blinds, uh, not blinds. It had curtains, like just small little curtains. And what he would do is every time he would go to the gas station, which was where he hung out every day, he went to the gas station, had coffee, talked to the ladies who worked at the desk, you know, met his his friends there. Um, Typical like grandpa, right? Um, He would buy me a roll of sweethearts or smarties and he would hide it on the windowsill and like years and years and years of like sneaking me candy it was the greatest it's like we had this sort of like funny relationship like that and uh (laughs) anyway so as i was reading this book like it, it was so hard not to think about my grandpa and just like how much he meant to me and um like how difficult it was when when he died which it's been 10 years now and it's still it still hits me all the time but uh the book is we are okay by nina lacour and it was this year's Prince winner. It's a tiny little book. Like, it, it seems like it would be just a, a small little story. But it's it's a story that has just this tremendous gut punch to it. Um, it's about a girl named Marin who is staying at her dorm room during winter break. Um, she hasn't talked to anyone back at home since she went to college. So she moved to New York to go to college. She's from coastal California. Um, and she hasn't even talked to her best friend But during this winter break, when she's staying at her dorm, her best friend comes out to visit her. And um, it's through this we sort of really get a sense of how lonely and how sad Marin is. And um, her grandpa plays a big role in the story, even though he's literally never physically present in the story because um, he... And Marin lived together for a long time, and he had a tremendous impact on who she was. And losing him was one of those, like, last ties to her identity and sort of, like, the things in her world she understood to to be permanent and that they weren't permanent. Um, I just, I love this book, and every time I think about it, like, I get, like, emotionally, like, invested in it because there's so much good here. And uh, it's just a stark and... Uh, just sad and lonely book, but also just like so packed with love because that was one of the big things that her her grandpa really taught her was just the different ways and forms that love takes. So that's We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. Nice. And for my last one, um, it's a little bit of an unconventional one, is uh, Not a Drop to Drink by Mindy McGinnis. Um, so in this book, we have a mom who is just like, faced with, like, some impossible decisions. Um, the book takes place in this um, sort of apocalyptic drought that's, you know, consumed uh, the world. And these two characters, a mother and her daughter, uh, are living in their their little house, and they have a pond in the backyard that they guard fiercely to the point where they sit on the roof together. She teaches her how to shoot. Uh, they, they're shooting wolves and other things, including people that come to try to raid their pond. Um... And over the course of the book, we end up watching the mom uh, slowly warm up because she's, you know, very cold, very, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help my daughter survive. 
Um, and then as, you know, some maybe not so bad survivors start to make their way towards the pond, we get to see her uh, change as the story uh, unwinds. And she's just this really layered, um, very complicated character who's, um, like, I kind of wanted a book just about her, you know? Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're lucky that, you know, in the second book, we get, you know, to spend more time with the, uh, the main character who is now uh, an adult. So I guess this does another thing that's kind of like what the selection does. Um, but, you know, we don't get uh, her backstory. And, you know, Mindy, maybe one day you'll write a prequel. That would be really great. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> alas, that probably won't happen. But uh, she's an awesome character that, um, you know, you like her. Um, you're as invested in her as much as you are in the, uh, in the teenager in the book. And that is uh, Not a Drop to Drink by Mindy McGinnis. And this only, like, scratches the surface, too. I, um, I put in the show notes, and I'll, I'll link to it in our show notes, um, I put together a post of, like, really awesome older adults in YA fiction last year, oh, two years ago. Because um, there's, you know, as, as much as you had mentioned, there are dead parents. Like, there are also really great adults in, in fiction, yeah. too. And, and interestingly, now that you mentioned the, the genre thing, I think most of mine are realistic. There's a couple that aren't. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's something I'm going to have to dig into a little bit more because I think there's something there. Yeah. Where are the parents uh, in fantasy novels? <laughs> So thank you all for tuning in this week. If you have any feedback about the show, let us know on Apple Podcasts. Tell us how we're doing. And when you do that, it helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. Thanks to our special guest, Langston, who made his appearance more than once during the show. Um, if you would like, you could follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith as well as his adorable son uh, on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. We'll see you again in two weeks.